0: from hong kong chicago and the city of stoke-on-trent this is the classic lenses podcast hello and welcome to episode 118 my name is simon forster and i'm joined by johnny sisson and perry g <laughs> i'm rustling away i think that was uh johnny hello johnny hello <laughs> and uh and was that is that was that you with the sweet sweet rapper there perry or was that johnny as well
1: no, that's that totally Johnny. That's I got nothing all. but that, cameras. That was yeah, that was on me. Yeah, I got nothing but cameras around me right now.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay. Well uh it's uh good to have you back. It's uh a belated uh, rec- uh recording. Uh we normally would do this on a a well in UK time on a Friday after on a, a Monday afternoon and uh, early doors in Chicago and late at night at, in, in Hong Kong um, but we're a few days later so we actually recorded this on a Saturday uh, late afternoon in the UK um, because uh, a few things have been going on uh, in uh, the world of Johnny Sisson um, yeah and uh, I think that was that's probably a good place to start so instead of heading out to Hong Kong let's let's go to Chicago Johnny <laughs> Well, it's been an epic week in Chicago. Um, just to get something
2: important out of the way first, the weather is fine here today, <laughs> so it's nice and sunny. Uh, I know people want to hear about that, um, but yeah, it, it's been it's been uh, it's been a it's been an epic week in America. I think we could safely say, <laughs> and uh, that certainly affected us in Chicago. So. Um, <laughs> it feels much longer than one week has gone okay. by <laughs> uh-huh. in the, in the ongoing unfolding. I can't believe what's going to happen next year of 2020. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I probably, um, I, I would, I would guess that everybody listening to this podcast probably heard that um, uh, central camera burned, burned down or didn't really burn down. The building is still standing, but the, the interior of the building turned into a, uh, an oven and everything inside the interior space burnt up. Uh, so conversely, the, uh, the shop is now closed and until, uh, they're able to, to reopen in some form or fashion, which, um, will, uh, not be in the same space, at least for now. So, We'll um, will will we'll see what happens, uh, but but for the time being, Central Camera is um, completely closed, and um, you know we'll will reopen at some point here in the future. Hopefully, not too long
0: from now. I mean, it's I mean I think certainly anybody that's that's been in in many of the Facebook groups are connected with photography and um, especially the, the the analog based. Uh, right film film groups and uh, photography groups on on Facebook would, would be familiar because it's been you know, pretty big news uh, yeah out there um and um I think the the most not- notable for me um thing that's come out of this is uh an interview uh with with Don uh the owner um mm-hmm. yeah and uh and it was live on, on television, on the news cha- on a, I assume it's a news channel in, in Chicago. Yeah. Um, it's right. Yeah. And, uh, and he was standing outside his place and you know, the, 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 the fire department were, were in there trying to douse flames and, and so on. And he was being recorded live on, you know, right in front of the, 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 the place. And yeah. his attitude was, was remarkable. Um, because I can, I know. I think I know what I'd like be like if uh, such a thing had happened to me, and i would be very upset about it, uh, to say to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Um. And he was incredibly calm, um. And his his attitude was just 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 incredible, really, because he was he was not. I mean, he he'd arrived there. I think about nine o'clock in the evening, and uh, at that point, there were people. Going in and out of his out of central camera, taking armfuls of cameras and whatever it is that they could just pick up, right? Um, and he he felt that he, that he couldn't go in there and just like stop people for obvious reasons. And uh, yet, uh, you know, he, he his 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 viewpoint was was it seemed to be one of understanding of why this horrible th- event was 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 going on um, rather than look, look at my business going down the tubes. Um, I just wonder if you want to put a little bit more flesh on.
2: Yeah. There's also a radio interview that I'll, I'll put in the show notes because it, I I, I don't think that's made the rounds in the same way that the TV interview, like as it was happening that a lot of people have seen that, but, um, he was interviewed on the radio a couple days later and, um, it gives a lot more kind of calm reflection on what happened uh, and the history of the shop um, that I think puts a, puts a lot of um, understanding maybe behind his attitude. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to speak for him. I, I can only speak as someone who you know, worked right next to him for four years and has known him for much longer. Um, but his attitude did not surprise me. It was absolutely characteristically Don flesh. Uh, that he was uh, calm and trying to look at the big picture because um, that's that 's the kind of person that he is i mean he is, he's a he 's a genuine person um, mm. he does not <laughs> he he can 't fake anything <laughs> he, he it 's just not him um, it 's not the way he works so uh, so he he spoke his genuine feelings um, uh, he 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 genuinely is he's genuinely more upset by injustice than anything else that happens in the world. Um, and like many of us, he's been beside himself for the past three plus years, living through the nightmare that is Trump's America um, because we see it firsthand in Chicago. Uh, and he, 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 you know, you got to remember, he also lived through the, the 68 riots in Chicago, which happened also literally in the same place, you know, a block away um, mm-hmm. he lived through that as well. Uh, my, my, I have family members who lived through that. I have family members who were deployed as members of the national guard in 1968 on the streets with bayonets and live ammunition. So it's, it, and, and watched it burn also after MLK was assassinated and uh, huge parts of the city were never rebuilt after that. So you, I think if you're from Chicago and you're not an utter, you know, right wing reactionary asshole, You have some understanding of why Chicago, uh, racial politics in Chicago are so difficult. Um, and on top of that central camera is one of the, you're going to have to trust me on this unless you're from Chicago. It's one of the very few types of businesses where you walk in and you see black people, brown people, white people, whatever type of people all in the same space together. That is really, really unusual in Chicago. Um, I mean, I'm, and I'm talking about, a, you know, a, a small business, not uh, a, a Macy's or a Target or something. It is very unusual that people come from many different areas and neighborhoods and demographics to one place. It's it's very segregated. So we deal with all parts of the community in Chicago. So what a little bit better, what people's lives are like. Right. Um, and the, the, the amount of injustice that, w- that exploded after the, the George Floyd thing nationwide, in every place where it exploded, every city has its own little dynamic of injustice that people were reacting to. And very clearly, Chicago had its own dynamic. And that's really what you saw. Uh, when protests uh, turn to riots because that's what protests turn into when nobody listens Mm -hmm. for, for decades. Um, So that's what you saw in Chicago. And it, 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 it's certainly it's sad and it, it, I won't say it's shocking. And it, so it didn't shock me when I saw central camera burning, you got, here's the other thing to understand. Central camera is a block one block away from the federal building where the department of Homeland security is housed. So the people who are running around Chicago, trying to uh, detain uh, people who have migrated here for work, et cetera. So you you've got the federal building right there. And then two blocks North from there, you've got city hall and the County building. So you have all of local national and federal government within a block or two of central camera. And then one block the other way is Michigan Avenue, which is, the main downtown street where all the protests always happen. So you're, you're kind of surrounded by <laughs> you're surrounded by the epicenter of, of where all this stuff happens. Okay. So all of that, I'm just, I'm just pref I'm just saying that as a preface to help people understand how central camera was kind of in just happens to be in the middle of all this. Um, and also a little background on why Chicago was a, a tinderbox uh, ready to explode. Um, and, and you have to remember that just a few years ago, you know, an equally horrifying incident happened where a 17 year old kid who was detained by the police lying on the ground, spread Eagle on the ground was shot. What? 16, 17 times. Um, and that video didn't come out for a year and it finally came out and Chicago to its credit, didn't explode into riots and fires and, you know, looting when that happened and then nothing changes. And then, you know, you pile some more garbage on there. So it's, uh, so I think Don just, you know, uh, in his heart understands injustice and he, 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 he saw what was happening as a reaction to that, whether people want to agree with, you know, property being destroyed is another, another matter. Um, you may not agree with it, but I think you should at least be able to recognize how it's plausible that it can happen. <laughs> Just thinking about other people who maybe aren't you and maybe have a different situation in life than you might be so frustrated that things eventually come out that way. That's what happens. So anyway, I think Don being Don has a larger perspective on the world. And um, you know, what are you, you going to do? You know, like he said, what, what's he gonna go, what's he gonna do? Go over there and try to stop people from looting his business? It's not gonna happen. You know. Um, anyway, all, all that is just to say, it didn't surprise me that it happened. It, you know, I don't think it surprised Don. It obviously it hurt him. Um, it's painful to see, but what he said in that interview came from the heart, which is the real problem is what caused central camera to be burned in the first place. And he, and he said that, and he meant that. So, you know, I, again, I'm not going to speak for him, but I think you just have to understand the man and you have to understand why he was able to sort of calmly stand there and just say, what, what can you do? You know? Um, so Anyway, for pe- people who haven't seen that video, I suggest you you, you watch that, um, and I suggest you listen to the you know ten minute, fifteen minute radio interview that he did, which I'll I'll link that into the to the group as well. So
1: two um, two things come to mind: one in terms of Don's reaction, uh, and one to the broader point that you were making earlier, which is number one. You know, uh, in addition to everything that you and Simon have noted about how he reacted, the mm-hmm. thing that really struck me that I think highlighted to me what kind of man he is, is not only, you know, his demeanor throughout that interview, but at the end of it, he made a point of asking the reporter and the cameraman.
0: Right. <laughs> <team>. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and that, that to me is such a strong indication of, you know, a real human heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know? He, <laughs> uh, where everyone, regardless of your job or your background or who you are, like you're a valuable and a valuable person, um, to right.
2: yeah. that, work that, this time. That, that is classic Don. Everyone who comes into the shop that he has a conversation with, he wants to know their name. He wants to know where they're from. He mm-hmm. wants to know why they're visiting. He wants to know what. It's like where they're from. I mean, this is what he does. He will get a, you know, he will get people who come in from you name the country, wherever they walk in, right? Um, if it's someone from Canada, he starts singing Oh Canada. <laughs> if it's someone from France, he starts singing the Marcier, Marciais, or whatever, right? I mean, that's just what he does. He's like that. And then he'll end up having an hour-long conversation with those people they'll they'll be like trying to leave the shop and he follows them out of the shop and he asks them where they've if they've eaten yet and he tells them where to go eat. I mean this is just this is what he does. It's just his nature, right? So he's a he's a people he's a people person and he wants to know about everybody and he wants to help everybody if he can. He'll probably end up giving them his cell phone number in case they have any trouble where they're while they're in Chicago, they have someone they can call. He does this all the time, right? So that that to me was just typical Don is to ask everybody in the film crew and the TV crew what their name is because he, he genuinely wants to know. <laughs> so that that's why I said Perry to me, that's, you know, a, a really notable thing that you mentioned because it's the, what you're seeing is the true character of an individual <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's exactly how he is. So, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I mean, it, it was amazing. Um, seeing that part in particular and, and and also just on the broader point, I think it is important that regardless of, you know, whether or not you agree with the violent right. protesting and rioting and looting, you know, right. for me, obviously it, it hits home pretty hard as well, seeing it all right. um, that you at least try to understand it because it is very, very understandable. Yep. And I find it an extremely lazy response and argument when people say, I don't understand why they're doing that. Like, yeah tr- try to understand right. because there are profound reasons why yeah. it is completely understandable and in many ways in some dimensions highly justifiable as well yeah uh, and it like yeah. when when a system that is supposed to treat everyone equally uh, that is supposed to uphold you know rules and principles fundamentally falls apart um and you've exhausted all legal and legitimate channels right uh, right. people lash out yeah and so so try to understand that that you know decades if not centuries of pain um (laughs) manifesting itself against a system that's like fundamentally not doing what it's supposed to do right uh, and and don't go down the lazy path of saying like i don't understand why people would damage property in their own city uh in order to protest because you know like we've I live in Hong Kong. It's very, very real here. And I think that's just a, a fairly lazy and cynical way to go through life, you know, just yeah. to, to simplify things down to violence is never okay. Um, and I don't get why people would destroy their own stuff. Like just think yeah. put yourself in their shoes. It's, it's, it's very raw. It's very real.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I don't know. It's very American too. It's really frustrating. Um, you know, Americans lost their shit when some football player, was on his knee silently in protest during a f- stupid football game. Mm-hmm. Right. And they couldn't handle that. They couldn't handle that. If you can't handle somebody silently protesting in, in a visible way like that, how do you think people are eventually going to react when nothing changes? Cause nothing has changed since then. Right nothing has changed. So it's, it's, you're right, Perry, it's really, really lazy and selfish. And I mean, I think that's been the most notable. uh, I think selfish has been the most notable um, way to describe 2020 in America, where people cannot even bring themselves to do something for, for public health It's people don't even understand what the people are so selfish. They don't even understand. They don't even think about what the two words mean together when you put them together next to each other. Right. Public health. It means that everybody's health is connected at a certain level because everyone lives in a society together. Right. So if people can't even wrap their heads around that and understand that that some short term sacrifices need to be made for public health. Of course, they can't wrap their heads around this one. Um, so, <laughs> so selfish America, twenty twenty. Um, you know, a- as we've seen, continues on this week. Um, and and Perry, I, I would just say the same as you. You whether you, or not you want to agree with it or ve- feel that it's valid in any way. Um, and 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 the other thing is, th- th- there's. <laughs> protesting and and looting are two different things and it's it's not the same it's really not the same people Mm -hmm. (laughs) right i mean there were people pulling up in panel vans in front of stores in the loop to cart stuff off in an organized fashion that is not people who suddenly turn from protesting to stealing things it's two different things mm-hmm. right in the vast majority of cases sure is is a window broken and some protesters who are now running from the cops or whatever are pissed off do they grab something out of the store yeah sure probably I don't know but that's really not that's really not how it's happening so <clears throat> the the level of laziness and trying to understand what's happening yeah Perry to me it's it's truly it's not shocking because it's it's just that's pretty much america but um it's 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 truly mind-boggling that people can't bring themselves to that slight level of uh of understanding how something like that might happen
0: i think i think part of that is is going to be down to just people's experiences in in their own lives um, sure whatever the issues are and i'm i'm just trying to put myself in this position now because i'm I count myself as being quite clued up about what's going on in Hong Kong and, and why, and there's a very good reason why that is yeah. because, because Perry G talks about it every week and we yeah. can live it and you know it's somebody that we 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 know Perry we know how he thinks about ordinary things in life so when he says something about you know some extraordinary things that are happening we it, it it's it's a lot more powerful because it's somebody we know talking about it in the way that we understand. Sure, and, uh, and the similar kind of thing goes with you know, you know. We haven't talked about it on air, but we've certainly uh, had conversations about the endemic racism and the way that things are set up in in Chicago specifically, and also in the the, the U.S. Uh, yeah. gen- generally. So, um, so perhaps somebody like myself, although you know, I've had to calibrate my response to it to, to some degree. Um, but if you live in a relatively um safe society um and i mean i'm, I'm, I'm sort of calling that uh, the uk at the moment but the thing is like even in the uk it's it's okay to say well i don't see any racism and it's a case of well i don't but that's because of the 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 life that i actually live in at the moment my life is actually pretty much in my house all the time so i don't even see yeah, what right. goes on at the outside world but even if i did you know uh yeah, you know, the part of the world where I'm I'm in, I don't see that 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 kind of thing as as as, as too much of an issue, I, I should say. But yeah, the, that's not to say that it doesn't exist because it absolutely does, and and people are fighting this every day of their lives in this country and in and most other countries around, around the world. So right? Yeah, you, know, you, you do have. So I'm I'm just when you say about these people being lazy to have that that kind of view. Sometimes it's ignorance and ignorance in in. And I'm not trying to. Uh, yeah say bad things about these people if you don't know something you don't know
2: yeah it's it's just i i i do totally understand where you're coming from simon i think just in the case of chicago it's impossible not to understand this unless you just purely believe it does not exist and there are a lot of people who just purely believe that racism does not exist. And the only, thing, the only reason things are bad in Chicago, <clears throat> in certain parts of Chicago, is that those people are lazy and they don't try. And that's, their, and that's just the way they grow up. And, they, and they're fine with that. And that's, that's a very common view. I mean, I grew up, you know, 20, or I grew up half an hour outside of the city itself. And that was the view among most of the people that, uh, that raised me and that I grew up around um that was that you know i i can remember my mom getting on the phone and calling the police because there was a black man in the neighborhood that's the that's how it was cuz somebody was going door to door doing i don't know selling something so what do you do you call the police and say there's a black man in the neighborhood that is how little understanding people have about all of this stuff even within 30 minutes of the city right so it's and and a lot of them left the city when they were kids in the 50s because of white flight, because the city neighborhoods were integrating, so they left. So it's it's a really complex issue, but <clears throat> it, I, 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 I can't give anyone in Chicago a pass for not understanding what's going on in Chicago unless they willfully don't want to understand. And, and, right. and that that's where I kind of draw the line. I mean, I might I can't speak for everyone everywhere. But I can speak as someone who grew up here that there's no way you can't have some understanding of this unless you refuse to try and you have your mind made up and you simply don't believe that it's a problem. Yeah. And And that's my that's my problem, at least in Chicago, with with people who have that attitude.
0: You know?
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, that I think that's why it's all the more important to, you know, open your mind and your ears. Yeah. um, because, you know, the position that, it, you know, violent protest and looting and rioting is disruptive and counterproductive, et cetera, that is the easiest position in the world to understand. Right. You know, um, so that that cr- common courtesy of trying to understand where you're coming from is almost by default afforded to those who oppose, you know, these violent forms of protest. Uh, but, yeah. you know, do them the same courtesy in return, because the, there's little that infuriates me more than the belittling of those who are the victims of injustice right. as somehow right. being irrational. Right? So like, yep. Give them the respect they deserve. Give us the respect we deserve and, and listen and think. Yep. Like because you've got to try to understand because you can't critique unless you understand first. And maybe right. if you understand, you'll you'll grow a little as a person too.
2: Yep, Well, I think that makes sense. And I I, I think the other thing that's just notable about maybe Don's reaction and just his worldview is you have to understand that um, a very large portion of his family died in the Holocaust. Mm. Uh, his his grandfather who started the shop um, in eighteen ninety nine. And he tells this story in the radio interview. He, he left Hungary at 13 years old, left, which was, you know, the Austro-Hungarian Empire at that point in time. And this is before the First World War. And he left because as a young Jewish boy at the age of 13, he's going to be drafted essentially into, you know, the militia of the military, which you're then obligated to serve in pretty much your entire adult life. Right. So he, he didn't he didn't want to have to do that. His parents didn't want to have to do that. So he walks from his town in Hungary. To uh uh he walks to um to Italy so that he can get on a boat and go to. Amer- so he made this at a 13 years old, made a six month journey from his home to the United States with 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 nothing here, without knowing the language, without knowing anybody, without knowing anything, to try to find a life that was going to be better because he was at such a, such a disadvantage in the place he was at, right? But the family who were left there, they all died in the Second World War with with a few notable exceptions in his family. You know, most of the family perished in in Nazi death camps. So, you know, someone who... Who lives that every single day of their life and he lives it every single day of his life, just as the way other people who have experienced injustice live it every moment of every single day of their life, it affects his worldview. And therefore, he's he has a very understanding view of the world that is shaped by justice and injustice, right? Um, so that's that's who he is at his his heart and soul. It's just who he is. Uh, so I think he, you know, he it, it it makes a good case for what you're saying, Perry, is that if you want to make the effort to see the world and have more understand, see the world in a way that allows you to have more perspective on it, it's possible to do that. Uh, some people have that easier because of their history and who they are, and some people don't. But it's possible for everyone to do it. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> confusing about
1: that yeah right? and if you've ever if you if you've ever used the hashtag all lives matter in response to this you're a dick yeah, um, you're stop doing dick. that because it's like busting into you know uh, a meeting about women's issues in a workplace and going men have problems too it's like yeah shut up we know <laughs>
2: yeah go away right right Sorry. mini rant <laughs> yeah so anyway that's um, I don't know that's the background I mean if I know there may be some questions about going forward and fundraising and Mm. what happens next with central camera. And I can certainly speak to that a little bit. Um, Yeah. You know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm one degree, you know, I'm speaking as a furloughed employee who knows the owner very well. So I don't know everything, but I can tell you what I've, what I know firsthand having talked with the owner three or four times since the, since the fire. Right.
0: Well well I think oh. that's that's a, a good place to set off on in in that direction now and and you know it was remarkable as we, and we've talked at length about um, about Don's reaction but what came next um, was 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 pretty amazing as well um, yeah because um, I think it was uh, the, the the next day the uh, the, the family um, put a go fund me um, campaign, but it, but it went live. I don't know what the correct terminology is, um, and uh, for saying, well, if you want to help get this place uh, back up and running again, then uh, right. you can you can donate some money, and yep. um, and i have got to say I was abs- I was absolutely shocked at just how quickly that took off. I mean, yeah. within within an hour, he was like doing about ten ten thousand dollars an hour or something like that in in, right. in, the, in the in the early uh, the early part of it, which was just just in, in, incredible um, outpouring of uh, of uh, good goodwill um, to, towards towards his business, um, right? And uh, you know, as I am saying that, I am there uh, thinking. <laughs> it's it's it still feels a bit a bit, a bit difficult here because um, I mean we're talking about you know this this business has been been burnt down well in, in metaphorically it's it's, got, it's it's not it's not there at the moment um, no amount of money is going to bring George Floyd back exactly um, mm-hmm. and, exactly um, and I think people have always got to remember that yeah, yeah these these places that have been burnt and the, the property that's been damaged and so on it's property it's things it's not life. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Cool.
2: Mm-hmm. No, and I, and I was going to say in our you know fundraising information for the shop, we make a specific point to tell people to please support as well these other organizations related to social justice. Um, I did a, a blog post for the shop about the fire with the links, and there are links there to organizations people can donate to, and we absolutely encourage people if you're going to give – you know, twenty dollars a central camera, give twenty dollars to one of these organizations to help you know fight injustice in this country and hopefully things change and we don't keep going through this cycle, right? So we 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 recognize that every step of the way. Um and that that's really truly the most important thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um so uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so I mean, I guess as far as where the fundraiser stands, um, th- there was a goal put forward of uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars towards the the rebuilding um, of Central Camera. The goal is we're one hundred eighty five thousand into that right now, so we're you know we're sort of well on our way um, to reaching that. We've had almost four thousand people donating, um, and it's you know I'd say it's it's largely people who are local, but a, a very good portion of that are people from elsewhere across the, the country and really around the world, uh, which is really, really a wonderful thing to see. Um, and the, people are, there's a lot of stories people are posting also about why they're donating and why they feel the way they do. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a really wonderful thing. And uh, the other thing that we're doing um, is let me just pull up the – uh, the other bit here is um, we're we're selling some t-shirts for people who who want to you know do something to um to basically just show their support and maybe make a, a you know spend a smaller amount of money uh, so you can buy a t-shirt for around 20 bucks and about eh, not quite half of that goes to central camera i mean the other part is you know to buy the shirt itself but we get you know about ten dollars from that and we've sold something like you know, 400 t-shirts this week. And that's great. Cause people want to show that they believe in central camera, which is really cool. And that, and that, that certainly helps too. So, um, a big thanks to everyone who's kind of done those two things.
0: Um, yeah. And just, just talking about the, 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 the fundraiser as, as a whole, because I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. there being questioned, I mean, as, as much as, yeah, we've, we've talked about people there, uh, Having interesting viewpoints on on black lives yeah. matter and, uh, right. and 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 what's been going on in the in the states at the moment, and there's almost equally interesting views on uh, on the you know well what what why is there even a fundraiser at all? Doesn't the place have insurance? Um, yeah, you know, and, you know, and, and and so on, and uh, right. and perhaps perhaps you could just just fill yeah, out sure. people on, on that one.
2: Yeah, and I'll try to be charitable and nice here in my comments, <laughs> um, because I get it. I get you know what I get it that people really don't understand the way this stuff works. Uh, so I, I'm just going to approach it from the standpoint of people's knowledge of uh, things like this comes mainly from TV dramas. <laughs> so, l- l- j- so just to let me, let me just tell a little story that might be illuminating. We had. Uh, uh, over a year ago in January of 2019, some some people w- may re- remember, recall that Central Camera had uh, a big basement flood because we had the polar vortex and we had, you know, minus 40 degree temperatures for several days. And, and so all these massive water pipes broke in the basement of Central Camera and of the basement of the adjoining building. And the, the basement was flooded. So everything that we had in the basement, which is where we stored um, a lot of the merchandise that, you know, the overstock merchandise, right? That was all destroyed in the basement flood. Okay. Uh, and the, the physical space was damaged as well, right? We don't own the space. We rent it from the building. Okay. So the the stock in the basement's destroyed and the basement is unusable because it was flooded. So over a year later, we've still not received a payment for any of that because the store, the building owner and the the store's insurance, the lawyers are still jerking each other off because that's what lawyers do. Um, So we haven't been paid over a year later for, for all that damage. We haven't been paid for the stock. And the other thing is the merchandise, you have to understand it's not like if you sell something for $10, you're getting reimbursed for $10 for the insurance you know, the insurance company you're getting reimbursed for a portion of the wholesale cost. And you're getting reimbursed for used merchandise, which is mainly what central makes its living on at a fraction of the wholesale price of the used merchandise. So you never come anywhere near recouping your actual losses in terms of merchandise. That's just right off the top. Um, and then a large portion of that money goes to rehabbing the space to make it usable again. So most of the funds that are going to be raised um, are going to go towards rehabbing the space to make it usable again, which is going to cost far more than $250,000. So I think if I did a back of the envelope calculation, because I, I can't tell you exactly how they came up with that number other than it was a, uh, a good round figure um, of that somewhat represented operating costs that is not even four months worth of rent and salaries and expenses like utilities and keeping the, it's not even four months worth of keeping the business running. So, and you're looking at it easily a year before any insurance money comes in that could be used towards opening the shop. So it's, it's a short term, uh, goal of money that can be used to help the shop reopen in some form or fashion in the meantime while all of that stuff takes place. So it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about doing business in the central business district of the third largest city in the country and an international, uh, you know, an international city where the, the rents are, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a month in rent, that's just in rent. Um, you're talking about a really small, short-term amount of money to keep the business going or to allow the business to operate at a reduced capacity right? until that stuff happens. But it, it's, it, 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 there is no windfall profit, you know, take a trip to Vegas because you got all this insurance money. That's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Um, even if you have good insurance, it's not going to happen. So, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time, and I think it's a conservative amount of money uh, to enable the owner to simply be able to open the business again and pay a few people and pay rent and keep the lights on. Um, and I know that might be hard for people to understand, but you, you really have to understand the market that you're talking about. I mean, if this was, you know, if we were in Iowa City or somewhere else in the US you know, that, that cost would, you know, that amount of money would go a a much further way towards doing a lot of things, but we're not, I mean, we're talking about, you know, literally downtown Chicago where there are very few independent businesses left because it's unimaginably expensive to do business there. So just try to have a little perspective on what that amount of of money means for a business. And um, I think it's a conservative and realistic amount of money to to ask for people to contribute if they want to help it's it's by no means a windfall for anybody <laughs> to get that amount of money when the goal is to actually use it to open the business again yeah. so that's the nice version of come on people <laughs> come on, think about it, do the math
0: <laughs> anyway I'm. I'm so, I'm, I'm just wondering what the way, what, uh, what what version you gave to uh, um, whoever it was that asked or that potentially suggested that uh, um, how, how how does a fire start in a place like this? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. that sounds right. suspicious.
2: Yeah, I can. So here, here's a, here's another good one for you. So there's a picture in a link that Bob Matter sent that we we're, we're going to share the link. There is a picture of uh, Don walking through the space with a headlamp on like one of those camping headlamps, right? And the space behind him is obviously blackened and burned and destroyed. And he's got his his stupid Rolly Prego point-and-shoot around his neck, because that's the camera he uses, which is hilarious. Of all the cameras he could carry around every day, he carries on a Rolly Prego point-and-shoot. It might be a Pentax now. He had a Rolly for a long time. Um, and he's got a couple of plastic bags in his hands with stuff that he's tried to salvage, but... You can see in the photo that the shop is most definitely completely destroyed. Um, and the reason he has a headlamp on, if you look behind him, it's the, it is blackness. And the way central camera is laid out, it's this really long and skinny space. It's about half of a football pitch long. And it's about, you know, 20 meters wide. No, it's about, uh, you know, four, four or five meters wide working space. So it's this very long and skinny shop with very high ceilings. So when we shut the shop down at the end of the night and turn the alarms on, if you happen to be in the back of the shop taking a pee or you forgot your coat or whatever, you are literally (laughs) cannot see your hand in front of your face pitch black. It is pitch black when the lights go out, except for right up in the front, there's a couple of lights on, you know, to deter theft when the place is closed and the gates are pulled down. So let's say that you're a looter (laughs) and let's say that you're, you're one of these looters who it's a crime of opportunity. It's a camera shop. You know, there's cameras in there that are worth some money. So you're going to smash the window and you're going to go in and take a camera or whatever. Um, There is no light in there. So unless you came equipped for your looting with a flashlight or a torch, which you may or may not have planned to do, Um, you're probably the only way you're going to see anything in this pitch black shop is with a lighter or something that you whip out and, or your phone or whatever. But the, the shop is a death trap. Okay. It's a narrow space with things packed floor to ceiling. Much of it is paper. All of it is much of it is fabric and whatever it is. So easy. It would be so easy to even accidentally start a fire in that shop trying to see what the hell you were trying to, to find in there to take. Um, and if somebody decided to, you know, just light a fire to light the space up, there's your fire. So to me, the, the idea that, you know, it was purposely torched by the owner, number one. And I haven't really heard that suggestion too much, which is completely absurd um, based on what we've talked about earlier. I mean, the man's life is in this place it would be like burning you know take whatever your most prized family possessions are and put them in a pile and light them on fire that's what it would be like okay so the 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 the, the chance of a fire accidentally starting in the middle of looting and mayhem to me <laughs> it is a super high probability and and i just assume that that is what happened unless somebody just wanted to torch it to hide you know, the evidence of whatever they were doing. I don't know. Who knows? Um, the building owner, as I mentioned, is a total knobhead and is too stupid to burn the building down himself. This guy is like, and again, I'm going to try to be charitable. He's, he, has no, he has no background in real estate. None. Zero. He is, he's like some doctor guy from India. He does not know anything about commercial real estate, all right? So all he knows is that he bought this building, and he jacked everybody else, everybody's rent up. And he jacked the rent up so high that the, the business that was in the space next door for 40, 45 years just literally closed their door and has been vacant for three years because they couldn't afford to do business there anymore. And he's basically tried to do the same thing to Central Camera. And Don has you know fought him every step of the way because they've been there since 1929, but the, the guy is an absolute f- moron. So I, there, to me, there is no way that this guy thought, oh my God, there's looting and rioting. I'll run downtown and light the building on fire. He's, 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 he's dumb as a bag of rocks. I mean, he, there's no way. So somehow, I don't know how, somebody started a fire in the shop for whatever reason in a pitch black dark shop where you can't see anything it's sort of like that thing where the you know what it's like the easiest answer is usually the correct one folks. Yeah. <laughs> that that that's kind of what it comes down to. Um so it it's it's super plausible to me that a fire could have gotten started in the middle of absolute mayhem of looting inside the shop. And that's why maybe Central Camera Burn versus a place like, you know, Target or Macy's where they've got gigantic freaking lights everywhere. And it's a huge open space and you can see everything even when they're closed. I mean, it's a really big difference. It's just not the same kind of store as, as, as those places. And it is the only camera store, the only camera store in downtown Chicago, the only one. And, you know, cameras are always those, go- those kinds of goods that are easy to take and steal and resell. It's always been that way. I mean, that's why people, you know that's why people have always stolen cameras they're easy to resell so it's it's really to me it's really really obvious why people would break into a camera store and and why this particular camera store might have 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 burnt to the you know burnt from the inside out as a result of that yeah
0: actually on 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 that note as well just going back to uh, getting things straight and uh yeah and getting getting stock in the place and and, and so on i mean uh-huh. in that uh, photograph in the article that uh the bob centers that uh, we'll share the link um you can still see shelves with s- some levels of stock not the extra right. stuff just like accessories and stuff like that yeah and yeah i think it's it's just worth um, um saying that uh <laughs> um, there's such a thing as smoke damage <laughs> yeah yes
2: right <laughs> um, and so
0: something that looks okay um it won't be if it's got cardboard on it if it's made of plastic anything like that it's red. Yeah. It's, it's gonna stink and it'll stink your house out like a like a an old russian uh um camera case um it's just it just it just never goes away um yeah. so uh so, what the stuff that's there, the vast majority of what's in that place, yeah, it can be it could be sold off, but it's gonna go so cheaply because at the end of the day you're not going to want to have it in your house it's yeah it's, awful it,
2: stuff right it, right it's sort of like if you've ever gotten a used camera and it came from the house of someone who smoked or maybe someone in Amsterdam who was really <laughs> I cool know that, where that was going. That, <laughs> smokes right. a, that smokes a lot of really good hash. Um, that camera is going to like just stink of smoke. It's just, and, and that's just cigarette smoke, not a fire. Um, so I want to say one, one thing really funny about this picture. Um, so it, it, when people see this picture, right. Uh, immediately to the, um, the left of, of Don, who's standing in the middle of the shop, there's a set of shelves, which are very obviously empty, right? Um, those are the shelves where all the 35 millimeter cameras were. And those shelves are, you know, completely bare. So they were either two things. Um, They were obviously either the cameras were just flat out stolen by the looters or when they were pumping, you know, jets of water into the shop to try to put the fire out for several hours. They probably got completely just blown off the shelf by the fire hoses. So they've been, you know, either stolen completely waterlogged, you know, flown across the room by, you know, powerful jets of water. None of that stuff is going to be salvageable, but here's the, here's the really great part on the very top of that shelf. Um, is where we had the exacta cameras and the old Soviet cameras. And it looks to me like there's still a couple up there because nobody (laughs) wanted them. (laughs) (laughs) So there's probably at least one Xacta and I'm guessing like a Zenit up there. Uh, So, hey, so yeah, there you go. Central camera can reopen based on an Xacta and maybe an old Zenit that smell like smoke that nobody wanted for years when they could have bought them off the shelf anyway. (laughs) That's the funniest thing about this photo. I'm not even kidding you. The thing that really hurts me about this photo though is right about uh, two paces in front of where Don is standing, there's all these little, uh, that look like bins, uh, paper bins, which didn't burn because it looks like they were behind the glass there. Uh, they, I'm sure they got waterlogged, but it doesn't look like maybe those burned because the fire was deeper in the shop. Uh, but that uh, that stuff right there, a lot of that is um, rolly and uh, on the top shelf Leica, accessories and like old, like a screw mount stuff like filters and really, really kind of cool old rare stuff. And I, I don't know if any of that stuff is salvageable, but at least it looks like some of it's, you know, intact on the, on the, on the shelves, because I, I doubt there were any hardcore vintage camera enthusiast people that were like, I'm going to get me some Roly accessories. I, it's probably not who, who was looting. So that stuff looks like it's probably still there. I I I don't know whether any of it in it is going to be salvageable, uh, but but certainly some of that looks like it's at least still in the boxes. Well, probably probably waterlogged, but it's there. But it breaks my heart because that's like where I stood every day. Um, and just in front of that are the where all the uh, medium format cameras were. There's a, there's a bunch of uh, little blue colored things on the wall, which were bins where we had lens caps. Um, that's like the lens cap wall. Hey, people didn't loot the lens caps either. How about that? Um, but ne- right next to that is where we had the, you know, the really nice medium format stuff. Uh, and I'm just assuming that stuff's all, you know, gone also. So yeah. anyway, yeah, that was my world.
0: Yeah, and uh, well, <laughs> <there's> not, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what, what else we we can say on that one. In,
2: yeah, I, I, I. I... I, I would just say as a, a closing thought if anybody has um you know theories uh, uncertainties questions whatever I, and and you really want to talk about it I will do it with you and be nice and polite so you know hit me up if you if you really think you have a lead you know like you want to do some scully and molder shit here and, and 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 investigate and you got a theory about what happened um hit me up and we can talk about that but I will tell you that, that Don had a walkthrough uh, with the FBI, I think, on Tuesday, um, you know, like forensic fire people, basically, right, to try to figure out the source of what's going on. And I don't even think Don knew this, and I only know this having gone through 9-11 with somebody who was a family mem- member of a victim that was being interviewed by the FBI and didn't realize they were being interviewed as a suspect, and not a victim, and because that's the way they do it, folks <laughs> they they make sure that no matter what the circumstances were that you weren't the one who did it so i'm I'm certain Don had no idea he was also being interviewed by the FBI to make sure he didn't do it himself, but that's what they do anyway, um, the FBI literally is on that case, and they will be looking for you know clues and evidence about how that fire started and Maybe we'll get some more information out of them, unless you subscribe to the theory that you know Obama's FBI was probably working with the protesters and the people who set the fires to destroy America. And in that case, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what happened.
0: So, and and I've got. got I'm not bitter. Johnny's not bitter. I was was going to say anybody that uh, that that wonders whether Johnny can actually have a calm conversation uh, with a a contrary opinion um, on on some of these things. uh, I've seen evidence of him doing this. (laughs) Um, I've uh, I've I've not been paying that much attention to what's been said in in various Facebook groups, other than uh, on the first day or so. Um, But there were some some comments and some questions raised from that position of uh uh selfishness that we were talking talking about earlier and um and johnny you were you were the model of restraint because i know what you were thinking uh when you were typing uh your responses and um you you absolutely didn't go there um, yeah. and uh so i'm gonna say well 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 done you on that
2: thanks yeah I'm- I'm capable of it, but not on the podcast because you know what? Honestly, that would also just be really boring if I got on here and I didn't rant about stuff because you know <laughs> that's what a podcast is for, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I can, I can. I'm glad to answer people's questions if they want to know more about Central Camera. I'm glad to do that.
0: And Chicago as a whole, as well, and Chicago as a whole. Yeah, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. Right. Well, we had other things that we we, we had uh, planned to talk about today but i'm not entirely sure that's actually the right thing to do um so um w- this is going to be uh what, probably the shortest show we've done in a very very long time um but uh yeah i, th- I think we're i think we're done um so uh, before we start saying goodbye and things like that um i just want to thank uh, those people that have donated uh tours since you were uh, since we last uh did a show uh in particular uh in chronological chronological order uh we've got uh nigel cliff again um and he says uh forgot to contribute last week um and would have given double this week but i've spent the money on t- tunnock's caramel wafers <laughs> um and uh the good the good news is i've i've heard um a word on the street is that the Tunnocks factory in Scotland has actually started production again of Tunnocks. So um wow, so well the, done uh, Simon. Yeah, well it, it, exactly. So I mean <laughs> this, this this year 2010 20, will be known as the year that Tunnocks shut their factory down and other things happened too. Um, so, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um yeah, the great the great tunic shortage is uh is pretty much over. Um and I've I've got to thank Fraser Yule um for helping me get through uh, this period without tunnocks by when he when he sent uh i th- i think he sent around about thirty thirty bars in the post <laughs> something like that oh. yeah yeah um so uh thank you very much again for that fraser um a lot of those um those tunics actually went went out i gave us as freebies of uh of um so, some wonderful customers have been buying uh, lens caps that's not everybody gets one it's a case of uh some particular ones if i know that you're a listener um or you just buy an absolute shed load of lens caps then I've, I've dropped one of those things in there so um but thank you thank you fraser for that um and, uh, Christopher J. May, um, says cheers gents. Uh, when are we going to do a crossover episode with Simon's two podcasts and get uh, classic large lens, classic large format lenses podcast extravaganza? Uh, all the daggers and grandagons and G clarons are feeling a bit left out on the CLP. That's a good point. Um, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how the two things meet because they, they, they're very different shows. Um, yeah, it's yeah, an interesting yeah. one, that. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, I sort of feel that talking about large format lenses probably belongs more on the large format show rather than on classic lenses, but I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah. yeah, we'll think about that one. Um, uh, then there's Robert Danny, um, and this is on the 1st of June. Uh, cheers for continuously bringing the happy lens banter to us all. To us. So uh, thank you, Danny. We enjoy doing it as well. Um, sorry, there's not been a huge amount of that today, but uh, you know that's 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 the way it is. And then uh, uh, the newly recovered from COVID nineteen Lawrence Dunn uh, is also donated to us uh, too. And I just want to say that uh, any donations uh, that happen to us in June are going to go to the, the Central Canberra Fund uh, to help rebuild uh, Central Canberra. But the best way to do that is to donate directly to um the gofundme uh campaign that's, that is on there and also just remember what's what's being said as well you know yes it, it's it's great to donate to uh central camera but there are other causes out there um mm-hmm. other people that are hurting out there at this moment and uh, right. yeah it's well worth to be uh aware of that and uh just you know have a read of uh what's been written on that, uh, that 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 campaign Um, it's uh, it's it's well worth doing that okay yep. so um thanks everybody for those um and uh, we'll do shout outs and goodbyes i think now so uh perry have you got any shout outs
1: uh yeah two quick shout outs uh one to mike epstein um you know i've been hanging out a little bit this week we went shooting the other day uh, on the one day that it hasn't been pouring with torrential rain in hong kong uh not only do we get some cool shots but we also got to try out the new voilander 35 1.2 uh at a shop and he's just sent me a picture that he took of me in that shop and that lens is sweet (laughs) it is so i have serious gas for that lens right now um
2: the 35 1.2
1: Version three, it's just come out. It's, oh, okay, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's much smaller; it's thirty percent smaller than the previous behemoth. Oh, wow! So it's like the same size as the forty millimeter one point two.
2: No so kidding.
1: It's like totally manage. Oh, it's gorgeous, man! It's it's. Wow. Awesome, wow, wow. And that shot has three D pop. I'll show you guys later. Cool. Uh, so so uh, yeah, uh, I see that in the horizon. Um. <laughs> so second shout out. Uh, goes to uh, my friends at Little Garden. Uh, Mike and I also went over there because he wanted to adapt uh, one of his rodent stock in larger lenses to his Fuji or Leica SL um, so he can uh, digitize his negatives with it. Um, So they got him set up on that. They also got me set up on a uh, lens that I've sort of hack and slashed myself off the camera, but I'll talk about that next time. Uh, but the other thing that the 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 lady who worked there showed me was really, really cool. She had this little woolen sack uh, 35 millimeter f3.5. It was a demount lens. It was taken from a uh, an old aerial reconnaissance camera. So it was really tiny, like the size of a... Oh, maybe the and size a- of an S- external
0: viewpoint. I mean, aerial reconnaissance lenses are usually enormous. Sorry, not, not
1: aerial reconnaissance lens. It was a lens from an airplane, like an old old military plane um but it was a tiny lens so i think they used it for like i don't know what they used it from but it was it's from a plane yeah it was okay. some, some found somewhere on the airplane <laughs>
0: um,
1: it's, it's about the size of an external viewfinder that's what i was, was going to say
0: does it did they screw it into the door where the toilet is to see if there's anybody outside is it that kind of lens is that what you're saying
1: i don't know i'll, I'll show you guys a picture of this after we're done recording <laughs> uh, but so she's been she's been dicking around with this lens trying to get it onto her cameras uh and she ended up housing it in this enormous helicoid, which basically turns it from a tiny, tiny lens into a huge lens. But this is the only D-mount lens I've ever seen in my life that covers full frame oh, and what? hits infinity.
2: Wow. Yeah. Does it, it does? Oh, yeah. Holy crap.
1: I know. That's crazy. I know. So when she showed me, she was like, check this out. She had it on her Sony A7. I was like, what the hell? This covers full frame? Uh, but
2: it does. That's crazy crazy
1: yeah she's had that thing for months and she's uh someone gave it to her and she's just been trying to get it onto the sony and now that she has um it's just insane that it, it totally covers and it it it's full frame so uh wow. shout out to her for for showing me that because that blew my mind that was super cool
0: wow okay uh well right then so uh johnny uh any shout outs before we go no, i
2: did just i just wanted to, to shout out to everyone who has Uh, express their concern sadness etc for central camera special shout outs everyone who has donated towards the rebuilding um and a special extra special shout out to everyone who is risking their life right now for uh for justice
0: Mm, yeah 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 and uh i think that'll do for my shout out as well um so, uh, Perry, how can people follow you outside of this show?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Flickr at Perry G.
0: Okay. And Johnny?
2: Mm, they're not going to find me anywhere right now. I, um, You know, I actually did go in to Instagram and approved like 300 people who wanted to follow me. So oh wow. you can go and look me up on Instagram and get in the queue for the next time I'm motivated to... <laughs>
0: allow people to see by i are you handing tickets out
2: <laughs> yeah maybe we need to do one of those things like when they drop a new pair of uh adidas and you got to stand in line yeah. around the store to you know to get in and then you can like have somebody hold your spot and then they put they give numbers out and then you still probably have to sleep overnight and then hopefully you get in and hopefully the shoe's not sold out it's like that
0: they're going to be people with um with with t-shirts and with saying you know part of the the 2020 jonathan intake
2: (laughs) you know i on the subject of t-shirts i just want to say um if if the rest of the team here agrees uh we do have some classic lenses podcast t-shirts and other items that will be available for for purchase very soon uh we i don't know that we've come to consensus on green lighting this yet but that's out there and it could be a thing really soon so stay tuned for that yes
0: yeah we're 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 almost brainstorming what these t-shirts are going to have on them uh, but yeah. i have a few ideas that i'm sure you guys too do too Yeah. so yeah. uh um yeah okay um and uh if you want to write into the show. Um, and we have two emails, actually, no, we have one and a half emails really, uh, that, um, that we still need to do. And hopefully, uh, next time we very, very soon we'll, uh, we'll read that email. But if, if you do want to email into the show and have it read out, what's the best way to do that, Johnny?
2: Uh, classic lenses podcast at gmail.com. And that's, of course, yep. And, and of course the, 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 each podcast is on our podcast website, which is classic lenses podcast, uh, dot com um so go there and then you can you can get not only the podcast but all of the notes and everything too
0: yeah and if people are on instagram what's the what's the best place for classic lens type
2: uh check to do out instagram. best vintage lens on instagram Or those are our buds over on on instagram with uh best vintage lens photos that's it
0: and if you if you wish to have a a, a drink of a fine liqueur uh, what, what what's the best thing to do uh You probably don't want to get some Malort.
2: I mean, you can if you want to, but you know. I mean, there are official, unofficial, and no way official sponsor, but that doesn't
0: mean we we'll want you to drink that shit. No. And the competition, amazingly, is still yeah. open. Um, yeah, so you, you can yeah. win a uh, Raynox one three five f f two point eight wet on wet bokeh lens if two right. people um video themselves drinking an unop- unopened bottle of uh, well you've got you to open it to drink it obviously <laughs> yeah. but um, drink some uh, drink some a lot shows you uh, doing that and we will then pick a winner somehow out of uh, those two losers. <laughs> <laughs> um And uh and that's it. So uh, for me, I'm on Twitter as Simon Four. I'm on uh, Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. I've got a website where you can buy lots and lots of uh, lens adapters. um Not lens. Yeah, actually, I've got a few lens adapters. But I'm I'm going more and more into uh, more of these wonderful lens caps. I'm making and body caps and things like that. And I'm actually going to start making lens boards soon as well, with a bit of luck. And that's on uh, simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. I also have a, an eBay shop as well with pretty much the same stuff on there. Um, and uh, our music is by Kevin MacLeod of incompetech.com. Uh, it's called Blues, And that's pretty much it. So uh, I've, uh, I was going to say, have you enjoyed the show? Yeah, I, I guess there's enjoyable parts of today's show. Um, <laughs> and uh, so let's round it off by saying um, goodbye. And if you can... Be like Carl.